Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Stayed onside. The late man Matthews. Great move. What a goal. Beauty. Austin Matthews. Matthews flipped it up for Marner. Mitch Marner centering. Hyman to the net. Scores. He took fast down and his shot trapped in the corner. All right, here we go. Episode 35 of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network at Ken Sapon, at B McCarthy 95, at LeafsPod, at HockeyPodNet. And a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. Grab your peanuts and popcorn because baseball is back, BMAC. That's right. The teams will be getting back out on the Diamonds this week, Blue Jays, Yankees, later this afternoon. And last year's season, although it was different, It definitely had a lot of excitement, and this year is poised to be even better. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you on the field with a free shot at a share of millions of dollars in total prizes. It's very simple. Fantasy baseball is very easy to play. Just pick 10 players, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. There's no better way to put your baseball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot of millions of dollars throughout the week. But if baseball isn't for you, don't worry. DraftKings is offering plenty of fantasy golf action for this weekend's tournament as well. With millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week, there is no better place to have skin in the game than with DraftKings. What do we want you to do? Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars of prizes up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code THPN to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars with your first deposit only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. BMAC, what's happening, brother? I'm all right, man. I'm a little uh, little bitter that this is our final episode together. Final recording? Why is that? No, nah, I'm just messing with you, man. April 1. <laughs> like, April like, 1. Oh, get I'm... with it. All right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm slow. I always forget about April Fool's Day. I was never a huge fan of April Fool's Day when I was in school, and it's, it always just sneaks up on me. But it does. N- no surprise for me that I just didn't catch on to that one at all yeah well just Slow i'm warning you now because you know there's going to be that one coworker, whether it be at the brewery or at 10 50 that's gonna 
That's going to get you. It's going to be I one of those. there's one guy at the brewery who's going to be all over April Fool's Day. Oh, today. yeah. That's what I'm and saying, it's man. It's going to be so annoying. There's people that love it, and it's like a full day, and it won't stop. And then there's the other person that's just like, I don't want anything to do with this. Don't even try. BMAC, let me tell you, if you fall for an April Fool's Day prank after probably around 10 or 11 a.m., you are a total pigeon. You have to realize what day it is. And if you fall for it before noon, all right, I'll give you the free pass. But if you continuously get pranks throughout the day, that's a you problem. Or it's just somebody knowing they can easily get to you. I mean, it's funny, like in elementary school, when it's like, hey, pop quiz today, when you walk in at 8 a.m. And it's like, kidding, like, don't worry, we're just going to watch a movie all afternoon. But in the workplace, I could see why it would get under people's skin. It's like, what you guys don't have to come in today. To? Don't worry about it. <laughs> what school did you go to that you were just watching movies all day? Uh, uh, Mother Teresa Catholic School. <laughs> what do they call them up here? The substitutes. <laughs> that In the States, they call them substitute teachers. What do they call them up here? Just sub substitute. <laughs> Same thing. I thought there was another name for it. No. Anyways, <laughs> early on off the rails, what was not an April Fool's prank was the Maple Leafs' last two games. Um, obviously, they lose to an OT to the Oilers. Uh Take away that from that, what you will. But then a strong outing against the Jets. Um, let's start with the first game, the next-gen game against the Oilers. What was your takeaway from the next-generation OT loss to Edmonton? I thought the Leafs had an excellent game. I mean, I always love watching the next-gen game. Obviously, it's great in a typical season. The graphic crew does a great job to really build up the day. I've actually been to a next-gen game before. I believe it was in 2018 when they blew out the canes it was like 8-3 or something one of those run and gun games you know mcdavid was gonna make sure they got one of them and he they ultimately did a beautiful shot from darnell nurse my big takeaway was the poppy goal animation that you already touched on i love it it makes it a little bit more casual a little bit more fun i wish that they did more of this to be honest yeah i think the graphics teams in particular for certain sports uh nfl on fox can get a little bit out of hands <laughs> yeah. at times. Oh, man. And just simplify the game. Like, I loved it. Throw a record player up there, throw some lightning bolts, throw a nickname up when the guy scores a goal. I thought it was a lot of fun. Hey, well, they got the win, and you can't say that the Leafs didn't have the first chance in overtime, and that's kind of the nature of the beast when you go into three-on-three overtime, especially against a team like Edmonton, who has a top three that can skate with Toronto. So you go down on one end, you have a good opportunity on Mike Smith. The puck goes the other way. It's McDavid and Nurse on the odd man rush. And Darnell Nurse, I know we've ragged on him in past pods, but he's done a really nice job assuming the minutes of Oscar Clefbaum on the top unit for Edmonton. He buries the winner, and they get two points. Uh, kudos to Toronto, though, for still being able to sneak away with one. You'd prefer that they win it in regulation, especially when you're playing team Edmonton and Winnipeg, basically, because it seems like that's the three-horse race now for first place in the division. But a point nonetheless, and you followed up with a great effort against the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, and regarding last night, uh, I thought Winnipeg just simply played bad. They were not a good hockey team at all. If I'm Paul Maurice, I am pulling my mask in front of me in the locker room and just letting them hear it because I didn't think they had any bite last night, Kenny. I thought the Leafs had a solid game, you know, but at, there was points in the game, especially in the in the second and third, where 
I'm like, Winnipeg, why are you not jumping all over the, this hockey club right now? Like, they're giving you opportunities. And they, I think you, you uh, kept this in our lineup, Terry Koshan tweeting out, um, the shots for the final 14 minutes were 4-3 for the Jets. Like, what is yeah. what was going on, man? They're supposed to be matching up with the Leafs considerably well. Probably the best team in the North to match up with the Leafs on paper, and they did not look like it last night. This how you were opening it up. You're just gonna snipe my tweet of the day. Yeah, sorry, I was on That's a roll, it, Terry, and I was like, Terry I need Koshan, a stat. You're to... sniping, you're sniping the stats. That's all right. That's don't right. put That's it in the lineup. the lineup. Yeah, I know. Well, then I forget what I'm trying to say, which is why I wrote this down. Yeah, in the first period, Toronto outshot Edmonton fourteen to six. Zach Hyman also had six shots in the first period of that game. So we had the same total as the whole Winnipeg Jets team. I think this was sort of a situation where Winnipeg is coming off, you know, it's the first game at home after the road trip. And oftentimes that can be a slow start for the home team. They had no legs in the first period. And Toronto came in and just took advantage. They were just simply outplaying them. And obviously they end up jumping out to the three nothing lead with the shorthanded goal from Kerfoot. And like that was basically it. Winnipeg was dead in the water. And a solid game, you know, we kind of skipped over. I didn't mind Hutchinson's game last game and the next gen game against the Oilers. I thought he had a pretty solid performance in net. But Jack Campbell again answering the bell and improves to seven and zero on the season for the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is uh climbing up on the best marks in franchise history. Yeah, I mean, he just continues to roll, man. I'm just, I, I'm excited to see him play uh, with a not a full body of work, but uh, more of a packed on body of work because we've seen that he's just playing in spurts. Hutchinson comes in to play the next gen game, but I'd imagine Campbell's going to go Friday. Well, it remains to be seen, right? Yeah, the injuries have been in and out of the lineup, and. Who knows what's going on? The only people that know what's truly going on are probably people inside that locker room, Kyle Dubis, Brendan Shanahan. Outside of that, we're just speculating. And I know Anderson was going for more further tests earlier this week, which I don't know what the hell that means for Anderson. Yeah. I don't know if it means that they can't diagnose what's going on. I don't know if it means that they're trying to get you know second and third opinions on what the injury is. It's very cryptic surrounding the Maple Leaf starter right now. So I think that's a point of concern. The good news is, though, is Campbell, 26 saves in the win, improves to 7-0, and as I had said, and this is my second tweet of the day, since luckily I kept two in the bank. <laughs> with the I just sniped that one. You might have sniped one. Uh, basically, he's improved now to 7-0 and on the season, which is the third longest win streak in Maple Leafs franchise history. Um, Felix Potvan holds the number one at nine. So Campbell sniffing around there, and certainly if he does go on Friday, he'll have an opportunity to add on to this. I have no reason to believe that the Maple Leafs can't beat the Jets again on Friday. I mean, they dominate. I know the Jets lost Blake Wheeler in the first period, and when you lose your captain, he's a heart and soul guy and means so much to the way that, that team, the way that team plays the game. But this is supposed to be a deep forward group that's able yes. to compete with Toronto, and I thought that... Matthews, Marner, and Hyman, and Galchenyak, Tavares, and Nylander basically had their way with both the Oilers and the Jets last night. I agree, man. And we're seeing a rejuvenated Galchenyak as each game progresses, or as the season progresses here. I mean, I think he's firmed up a spot in the top six. Uh, typically, 
taken over by Ilya Mikheyev, who I wanted to talk with you about Mikheyev because, man, he gets the most scoring opportunities out of anybody on this hockey team, and the guy can't finish. He does everything right. He's strong away from the puck. He's got great speed. He's probably the fastest player on the lease. Every time he get, he can be on a breakaway, Kenny. I'm like, nah. Like he just he can't finish. And and I think he this can't is. Finish. I don't think I I would say this uh, a month ago or two months ago. But I think if you're if if Dubis is sniffing around for a package deal, I think you got to include Mikheyev because if I'm another GM, I'd be like, sure, I'd love him in my top top six. Listen, he's cheap. So yeah, and he's cheap. I don't so, think that Toronto. But for that reason, I doubt that Toronto would be willing to part ways with him. But I agree, he has been disappointing this season with his lack of finish. Right. I mean, at certain points, you got to put the puck in the back of the net. And it seems like, I, I believe it was, like, I'm going to get confused as to which game was which, but I think it was in the Edmonton game. You know, him and Kerfoot went down on a two-on-one, and he basically had, you know, the nice pass from Kerfoot, and Mike Smith was able to stop it. And they had, again, another uh, more opportunities against Winnipeg where his speed creates space, but then the finish just isn't there. He gets the stone hands around the net. And, you know, earlier on in the season, I compared him to a runaway train because yep. he seems to always, you know, just be, you know, out, he's like he's shot out of a cannon. Earlier in the year, there was a clip circulating of him skating toe to toe with Connor McDavid and beating him out for a puck battle, like just in a straight line race down the ice. So obviously he has the top end speed. And I'm not sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing for Toronto that he's not putting the puck in the net. And I'll tell you why. I think that this probably keeps his price down as far as negotiations are going to be concerned in signing an extension later on in the year, if that's something that both parties are concerned with. Now, having said that, you would obviously rather have him be putting the puck in the net and giving you some secondary scoring rather than just you know, getting a ton of opportunities and not having no finish. Having said that, as long as the team is still winning, it is what it is. He's, he's efficient. He's able to kill penalties. He's good in the defensive zone. And I think he brings uh, positive aspects to the lineup night in, night out. You would just love to see him be able to put one of these in the back of the net. He's basically Mikhail Granlin's 2.0. Yeah, and for a coach, he prob- like Keith probably loves him, but in the back of his head, he's probably like, this guy's going to finish. Like, come on. There's there's so many like there's some where it's like okay yeah. you're going up against a, a premier goaltender in for example Connor Hellebuck okay he's gonna stone you but there's some chances like the one on Mike Smith that one that one ended up being the highlight gotta of the night it. you gotta have that like gotta it was a it. nice stretching save but you have to bury that like that isn't that's a chell goal like that is a routine chell goal back yeah you cage. could easily tap that in <laughs> NHL twenty twenty one um one guy that's been able to finish with a lot more regularity, which I think is good news for this team, is Austin Matthews. Uh, scores his third straight contest now against Winnipeg. Three goals and three assists in a four-game point streak. Fair to say that Big Poppy's wrist injury is a thing of the past? I don't think it's a thing of the past. I think it's it's still bugging him, quite frankly. But he's just playing through it because he's a beast. <laughs> Let's be honest, man. Uh, you know, like for a while he was kind of scoring goals in different ways, not the flashy highlight reel ones, but then he pulls off that roof shot against the Oilers on Monday night and the goal yesterday was, was in the slot. So, you know, I think he's just adjusting his game on the fly, going with what's comfortable for, you know, his, his hand and making sure he doesn't further injure the hand, I guess, but he's clearly 
getting away with it. I just don't think it's a thing of the past. I think it's something he's got to play through. Unless somebody's going to give him a little love tap on the wrist, I'm going to go ahead and say this injury is dead and buried. I Fair. think that he's playing with a lot more efficiency now. He seems to be you know, very strong in the faceoffs in the last several games, which is something that he was struggling with, and Sheldon Keefe was actually sheltering him a little bit from the faceoff dot when he was in the midst of this injury. He's been so impressive, and Zach Hyman on the wing with him and Marner have been lights out over the last several contests. They're dominating possession metrics. They're dominating expected goals, which I know that doesn't mean much, but even against the Oilers the other night, they were able to outscore their opposition 2-on-0 and 5-on-5 goals. And they were playing against McDavid for the majority of the night, so take that for what you will. Another thing that I've been super impressed with over the last stretch has been watching Matthew's 200-foot game. We've often talked about this on the pod, that he has the potential to be a dominant Selkie-like, you know, Patrice Bergeron, Ryan Getzlav in his prime, Anze Kopitar-type center that can be in the heart conversation, be in the top goal scorers in the year, and really carry your franchise on the back, but still play a complete 200-foot game which I think separates him from Connor McDavid as far as this type of styles of play that they have. McDavid, obviously the best offensive player in the league, but Matthews is starting to be able to shut down the top opposition in the league, and that's equally important for this franchise. I agree, and as an example too, I mean, he had that turnover in the neutral zone on Thomas Shabbat's um, pass in overtime there, which was a risky pass, but Matthews just puts his leg up, intercepts it, goes in, gets a chance, and... Justin Hall later finishes, but man, like it in light years since 2016 has his defensive game developed, and it's it's good to see, and no doubt he's going to be up for Selkie in, in, in years to come. Off not, air, we were, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, not in years to come, I'd, I'd say in the, in the next few short years. Certainly, and I feel like these awards as well are something that you sort of get in the conversation for them, and then you end up winning them, and sort of like, oh yeah. You know, it's Matthew's turn. Let's throw him a selkie. Like, after <laughs> yeah. after he's been... You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you put together he's a resume it. for a couple seasons of having that sort of pedigree, and then all of a sudden you're in the conversation. We were talking off-air prior to me clicking the little red button for record about Mitch Marner's season. Give me your thoughts on him. Yeah, I think the berating and the criticism towards Mitch has got to be swept under the rug now. I understand why people were pissed after the bubble after playoffs the last year. Yep. The contract. You guys know. He's making 10 Everybody sheets knows. a year. Okay. But he is averaging, I think, 1.26 games, uh, goals, points. Sorry. This is where stats get you. <laughs> he he has been, he, he, I think he's been the most dominant and most impactful Leaf this year. He's showing that he can lead this team and also be a skillful player. And he's living up to that contract. While it's a mammoth contract, he's ultimately doing it and doing it right. And it's not it's not looking bad anymore. Like Dubas looks like he did it right and Marner is following up. So I don't want to hear any more criticism and hate towards Marner. It's, it's gotta fair stop. to say that he's probably solidified himself as a top five, top three winger in the league at this point, right? Like, you yes. can give me the list. You can say, you know, maybe Pasternak's better. Maybe you'd rather have 
or Temi Panarin. Maybe you want to throw, you know, people will throw Ovechkin in there for his, you know, goal scoring capabilities. Whatever the hell you want the list to be, Mark Stone in Vegas, also another player that comes to mind. Marner has to be in that conversation. And not just because of the way that he's been playing with Austin Matthews and the numbers that they're putting up, but the defensive awareness for this player as well. I don't want to sound like a broken record here, just preaching about defense and saying, oh, you know, they're great in the 200-foot game. But Marner, he's able to kill penalties. He's dependable in the last five minutes of a game in the defensive zone. And he's become a really great stick-checking forward. Now, I know old-school people will say, well, sometimes you need to have more physicality. And maybe that's an area of his game where he could still improve upon because he's a smaller guy. But he's been able to use his attributes to his to the most of his abilities in that two-way game. He gets his sticks and lanes. He plays a smart game, and with Austin Matthews, like the two of these have been, the two of these guys have been untouchable this season. And oh man, I'm with you, like everything, it, everything is dead and buried. Uh, so Toronto improves to four zero and one in their last five. This has been impressive to see, given the fact that they were one in six in the, prior to this little five-game point streak. Tough schedule ahead, though, BMAC. 20 games in 39 days for the Toronto Maple Leafs. The rest of the schedule includes five against the Jets, three against the Flames, six against the Habs, two against the Sens, who have been a real burr in the side of the Toronto Maple Leafs this season, and then four against the Canucks. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of hockey down the stretch. Yeah, And ultimately, for me, it's got to be the health of the goaltenders that is going to be the biggest question. So... Hopefully they could get Campbell and Anderson healthy because they're going to have a lot of trouble if the neither of these guys are able to consistently play in the lineup. Well, look at April, man. I mean, the next three or four weeks, four games in, in seven days. So the the test of the goalies is really going to have to come to fruition here because that that's a lot of hockey this month. They're they're gonna be they're gonna be gassed by the end of the month, and they're gonna be seeing Winnipeg the most. So be ready for a. Uh, I, I mean, you got to think Winnipeg's coming back with a, a ton of vengeance on Friday. Like Paul Maurice is is probably gonna bag skate them, and like like I I that was probably the worst Winnipeg Jets game I've watched. That's what Friedman year. said during the broadcast. It was that was awful. the worst period of hockey that he thinks he's seen Winnipeg play all year, the first period. <laughs> I, won't, I won't lie to you, Kenny. I was working that talkie last night, and we're off at 7.30, so I raced home, and it was already 2-0 Leafs. The rest of the game was just dull hockey, primarily from the Jets. So the Leafs, the Leafs kind of sure. took that, buried it, deposited the check. Thank you. We'll see you Friday. Yeah, yeah you go up 3 nothing, and then it's just like, all right, like now this team can just close, close it out. They close out the game. And they've seemed to have routed back into that early season form where fans can be confident in the fact that they're going to be able to close it out with a three nothing lead. So that's a that's a lot a lot of positives to take away out of the last five game stretch for the Maple Leafs. Let's go do around the league. So speaking of the goaltending situation, I'm going to skip down the lineup a little bit here. The Canes have a little bit of a situation themselves with. Uh, their starter, I don't even, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. Nadelkovic. Nadelkovic, thank you, is uh, playing out of his mind. And then basically they still have James Reimer and Peter Morasic on the roster who were both UFAs at the end of this year. So rumor is 
that the Canes could be looking to ship out a goalie. If you were the Maple Leafs, would you be sniffing around on Optimus Ryan? Oh, man, wouldn't that be something? No, no. <laughs> no. I, I don't see that happening at all. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, on to the next one then. Uh, the Flames <laughs> and the Canucks have postponed now their game last night. Uh, the Canucks have two players, one coach on the COVID list, so... Could be trouble for Vancouver here, uh, hoping that they can contain this thing and get everything shut down. Speaking of the Canucks, though, uh, some news coming out that they signed their goaltender, Thatcher Demko, to a five-year contract. Uh, five by five looks like the price point that was being reported. What are your thoughts on the Canucks netminder signing a new deal? Well-deserved, and it's also kind of a shot at Braden Holpe to get his act together. I think Demko has solidified himself as the number one right now in Vancouver, and the, the bulk of that contract, you have to remember, is coming back to or dating back to the bubble playoffs where he effectively stood on his head. He had 90 saves combined or something, Kenny, in, in two games, forcing a game seven. Uh, he had a shutout, too, in game six against the Knights. Obviously, Vancouver losing to Vegas in seven games. But, man, he was the reason they had a sniff to, to advance to the third round. So, well-deserved, and I like the term, too. He was the reason that the Canucks have stayed relevant this season as long as they have. Basically, yep. he's been playing at a Vesna level. I think the only goaltender, as far as the analytics are concerned, who's been better is Andre Vasilevsky, who is by far the best goaltender in the league. So that gives you an idea what Demko's been up to so far this season. I was a little bit surprised at the term and the price points, basically because they let Markstrom walk and he signed a $6 million deal in Calgary. Now, I know Demko is about five years younger, so perhaps you're going with the younger hot hand, and you save a million bucks on the cap, but it's kind of like if you're going to let Markstrom walk for just a million dollars more more money, then, I don't know, it just seemed a little bit strange to me on that point. As far as the Holpe conversation is concerned, I think it's pretty clear that Holpe was brought in as kind of a stopgap, just to give them a veteran presence, a little bit more uh, insurance, as you have a bona fide starter, but I don't think that there was ever any intention for Holtby to be the number one guy throughout the time in this season or in the seasons moving forward. I'm not sure how long his deal was, whether it was two years, three years, whatever it was for Holtby. The idea was that Demko was going to be the guy, and maybe they could have a little tandem system going on to relieve a little bit of the pressure for the next couple of seasons while he gets comfortable in the starting role. I want to highlight two stars and some egregious stuff they were doing this week. Connor two McDavid. Stars. Two two uh studs, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> two Sorry, two superstars. Ahead. So yeah. Connor McDavid's vicious elbow on Cockney I know it's the, the maximum allowable under the CBA five K. I grand. think McDavid should have got two games for that. And the the Miles Garrett esque helmet toss, Nathan McKinnon to Connor Garland got him in the chin. I, there's got to be a suspension there, man. I don't care about the name in the back of the jersey. It sends a message to the league. Suspend them. Two games. That's it. Yeah, I was surprised. I was shocked. Both of these, to be honest. I mean, five grand. What's that for McDavid? Five bucks? Sure, yeah, they basically, they basically said that for like the average person making, say, let's say 50K a year, yeah. that would be the equivalent of finding them $20. Yeah. And so like, McDavid you know, woke up and was like, what do you yeah, need from me? Okay, yeah, he just cool. he, McDavid just leaned over, opened his bedside table, pulled out <laughs> yeah. a wad of cash, and just threw it at Gary Bettman yeah. across okay. the room. 
in, in, I, in that weird house that he's living to in Edmonton. No, I, I was surprised about the fine. Uh, Jamie McLennan made a good point on Overdrive about it, that the fine still does get you on record with the league. So now he's on the books as being an offender. So if there's another incident, then you're looked to as somebody who has a prior offense. Now, having said that, I didn't like the hit on Kokoniemi at all. I thought that the follow-through was pretty high, swinging the arm, elbow came up right underneath the chin. I think that the league looks at it, and Kokoniemi was fine. He was kind of having a laugh about it on the bench, but I was surprised at the the fact that he wasn't at least getting maybe one game suspension. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised about that because it is Connor McDavid. But like I look at it and say, if somebody did that to McDavid, like what if it was the other way around? Oh my God! What if like it was Kokaniemi who came in and gave him the chin music with the elbow right underneath the chin? Or what Ten if it games. was you know another guy that threw their helmet at Nathan McKinnon when he was helmetless? Like what would be the action going the other way? And you got to think that if you're doing that to a star player, the likelihood is that you're going to be suspended, especially if you're Joe Schmo. So it just it just comes down to hypocrisy again. Uh, I understand the league needs to keep star players in the game to market the games and make people want to watch it, but you got to be consistent across the board. And I think that's been a large part of the conversation regarding NHL officiating of late is that the consistency hasn't been there. And now we can certainly direct that conversation as well to George Peros, the head of NHL player safety, based off of the action or inaction that is going to be taken against these two star players on what, to me, were pretty egregious offenses. Yeah, and McDavid's only faced supplemental discipline once before in his career, two years ago with a high hit to Nick Letty. And people are like, oh, well, like you know, it's unorthodox for McDavid to do that, so that's why they're not going to slap him with it. It's like, yeah, but it's, it's a vicious high elbow, and it deserves more than a fine. Anyway, I, I was pissed about it. And what's one, two games going to do for McDavid? It allows Oilers to be like, oh, wait, we're like a... a just an average team without him. Let's try and win without our superstar here. Yeah, you know? they, can't, they can't win without him. Anyhow, uh, Shane Gossespierre got placed on waivers by the Flyers, and surprisingly for me, at least, and I haven't watched a ton of Flyers games this year, so I'm not going to pretend that I'm an expert on the guy, but he cleared. Now, this is surprising to me because he's a pretty young defenseman. I believe he's 26, 27 years old, something in that range. Decent cap hit. He's had a lot of success in the past, been a 60-point guy in the league in years past, like a 50-60 point defenseman. Are you surprised that another team didn't take a shot on snapping up Gossespierre? He had 50-60 points at one point? Yeah, I believe. I'll wow. pull up the actual number, but yeah, here, go, go off for a second while I do Yeah, no, I don't have much to say on him. I was actually a little surprised, too. I don't think he was having a, a awful year, and the Flyers aren't completely out of the playoffs. And when you think of their back end, you think of Gosses Bear, Provorov. Other than that, they're they're lacking on the depth side of things on the back end. So I was pretty surprised. So his first three years of the league, um, he played two games his first year, but then 50 and 60 and 60 and 17, 17, 18, he had 46, 39, 65 points ah, in okay. those first three years. So pretty effective offensive-minded defenseman at a decent cap hit. I just found it... Very perplexing that he wasn't snapped up. Darren Drager was on overdrive earlier this week and was talking about it. And basically, I guess, in Philadelphia, they're like, we just have a ton of depth. And we're trying to free up a little bit of cap space, perhaps to make uh, a trade to bring in some other players. And they were going to have to drop somebody down to relieve some money. 
Dossus Bear ultimately was the sacrificial lamb and probably a little bit of chicken from the Flyers GM at this point in time, understanding that teams don't necessarily have the flexibility or the extra money laying around to maybe be going out and picking up a contract like this at this point in time. So a shrewd move by the Flyers general management and ultimately it pays off as he clears waivers. He's still under team control. Now they've freed up a little bit of cap space to give them a little bit of flexibility before the upcoming trade deadline. BMAC, I know we said we wouldn't talk about it anymore, but oh, I was gonna we get have into to it. celebrate. <laughs> we I have know to it. celebrate because the Buffalo Sabres have ended their losing streak. The streak ends Winless. at 18 games. <laughs> Winless. Winless streak. I, I don't care. You lose in overtime, you lose in regulation. It's a, it's a, it's a losing streak for me. 18 straight. BMAC, but they defeat the aforementioned Philadelphia Flyers. Maybe that was uh, why Shane Gossespear was a sacrificial lamb, but no, congrats to the Buffalo Sabres for getting that monkey off the back. Now uh, they need to continue to build on that moving forward to try to get out of the pit that they're in. Not and that if they're you're going to... Yeah, go ahead. If you're going to end it, end it with a 6-1 thumping. Like, don't edge it out with a, a 2-1, you know, late finish. I mean... Man, this team needs it's just a, three a weight. Or four goal cushion. This it's, team needs it's a, a boulder four off your shoulder. Cushion yeah, and to be convinced that they're going to be able to win. They were up three nothing against the Flyers the other night, and they blew it. I know. I almost think like the Flyers were like, let's just throw on Elliot again. He wasn't that good, and I think Buffalo needs a break. <laughs> like, they're if just, you're the Flyers, you're like, bone yeah, we're just we're killing this team. Like, let's dial it back a little bit. I don't know. Maybe uh, it's like the at some point, it something's got to budge. And yeah. Buffalo finally found a, a lane to, to get a W. First win since Feb 23rd. Unbelievable. Hey, the Preds as well. Uh, don't look now, but they've rattled off six straight wins. Now tied for Chicago for fourth in their division. This could screw up the trade market. Because like a lot of teams this year aren't necessarily bona fide sellers. Now the Preds had labeled themselves as sellers earlier in the year. But now that you're making the playoffs, maybe you aren't as keen to trade key p- pieces. Uh, what do you make of the Preds' recent run, and do you think that they should still be sellers at the upcoming deadline? It's a tricky situation, man, because I still think Poyle has faith in this group right now. And, you know, this is the team four years ago that went to the cup final, obviously missing a, a few key pieces, but that back end is still pretty strong. I think Poyle is kind of waiting it out a little bit more before he, he makes a trigger move with Mikael Granlin. And Matthias Ekholm, who has been up on the TSN trade bait board, yeah, he's at so the top of the list. Just, uh, just cooking two of those there. guys just cruising. But I think Coyle is kind of being strategic about this because they are in a position where they can still make that push, and it's kind of a wait and see the domino effect, right? I feel like the Preds are still definitively sellers, but if anything, this drives the price up. Because it's going to be like, oh, well, we can make the playoffs, so we don't have to sell right now. Mm-hmm. If you want my players, now you're gonna, your offer is going to have to get a lot sweeter because I'd prefer just to sit on it and you know, take my shot in you know, the first round, second round, whatever it is, rather than selling low. Which brings me to the poll question. If the Leafs are looking to add before the deadline, where would you like to see the addition? Now, this is basically a dead split, like almost a quarter of the vote going each way with goaltenders slightly edging out everything at 30%. But the other three, top four, top six scoring, 
forward, uh, bottom six checking forward, and defensemen are basically all coming in with 5% of each other between 20 and 25%. So the fan base very split at the moment with where the Leafs should be looking to add at the trade deadline. So it'd be interesting to see if any of these trade rumor trades between Toronto and the Preds will come to fruition. Let's go to the bar. All right, opening day, as mentioned before in the DraftKings read, is back, BMAC. And I'll tell you, just over a year ago to today, my mom, my sister, and I had tickets to opening day for the Blue Jays in Toronto. And obviously, it didn't happen, and it's been one hell of a year. But it's good to see baseball back again now for the full-length season. Everybody's excited about it. Um, and the Blue Jays have a lot of pressure on them this year. So for who I've got at the bar, I have Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro, the president and general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. This team had high expectations moving into this season with the signing of George Springer. You know, Bichette expected to take the next step. Vlad, Vladdy showing up to camp. You know, shedding a bunch of weight, looking great. You got the young core. You know, you got Biggio. You're wondering if what Danny Jansen's going to be. There's all these storylines coming in to this season. And basically, they've just been nailed by injuries. You know, Springer's on the 10-day DL. They lose Nate Pearson for an extended period of time with, I believe, a hamstring or a groin strain. Uh, Kirby Yates, their closing pitcher, has Tommy John, John surgery. So he's going to be basically out for the whole year. At this point, the Jays now have nine pitchers on the disabled list or injury list, whatever the hell you want to call it. And their season and this contending season that they were supposed to be entering here in the AL East is kind of a little bit in question right now. It's floating around in the air. So it'll be interesting to see. Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins have done all they can, though, in the offseason. So they'll be sitting back having a cocktail, enjoying their opening day lineup before the pressure cooker starts, which is going to be whether or not this team can compete with the big teams in the American League East, notably the Yankees and Tampa Bay Rays, who are expected to be contenders for the American League pennant. I'm going to go with UCLA Bruins, the 11 seed going to the Final Four. I think all of them are having a, a good couple of days rest, maybe enjoying uh, some booze. I, I Maybe they're just... I, I maybe I don't know if it's a it's a library bar for them, but they definitely deserve one. No, it's having a bush light in yeah. the, the final four hotel room playing cards on Zoom with your teammates. Yeah, that's effectively what it is, but they deserve that. <laughs> Beating up on uh Michigan the were they top two seed? Something like that. And yeah. I man, believe they played Michigan State as well in the play in round. If, I if think memory so. if memory serves me correctly. So they're just making the state of Michigan basically their bitch. But, yeah, UCLA, very impressive run. And we've talked about it ad nauseum. A one-and-done tournament, anything can happen. So a really impressive run for the UCLA Bruins, obviously a historic basketball school. It's good to see them back uh, in a place of in a Final Four, like in a place that has a lot of prestige in this tournament. So good for them. And they have as good a shot as anybody now at making the, the championship and winning it all. Absolutely, buddy. Well, you got on the docket for the rest of the day. You uh, heading back to the back to the old 
station. Back to the TSN studios. On. I've yeah. been working with Jay Onright this week. Uh, just a great guy. You know, I like it, and I'm sure a lot of you watch uh, Sports Center with Jay Onright every morning, like I used to do as a kid. But I can tell you one thing: he is the most sincere guy off camera. He'll talk to the camera guy, a story editor, a fellow anchor, the exact same. We were talking about Sugo before he we went to air the other night just talking about, about pasta about <laughs> like, sugo sugo yeah about like like pomodoro yeah <laughs> tomato, we were getting tomato, into tomato, it sugo. and jay was giving me all these recommendations and then five minutes the welcome to sports center <laughs> yeah so it's been uh it's been fun and i'm excited to get back at it for 6 p.m tonight but it's been a grind man these night shifts uh it's taxing for sure yeah, and I definitely have to give you a little poke with the stick to get you uh, <laughs> up before before 10 a.m. to record the Leafs pod. So I appreciate you taking the time for uh, ourselves, myself, and our listeners early in the morning. I know that's uh, a little bit difficult after the late nights. Yeah, um, it's, yeah it's... I was, I'm, I'm with you, though. I was doing the Raptors game last night, and that team is hard to watch right now. Oh, disaster i was gonna They're say you're, you're a better morning person you, you're the type to get up at six and do some air squats and push-ups and you and then you say okay we're good to record <laughs> yeah well, I, i'm trying to get back into the physical routine now anyways things are starting to warm up and you know that always gives you a little kick in the ass oh yeah to shed to shed all the beer weights uh admittedly i've probably been drinking more beers than i should with uh my place of employment so i'm gonna try to cut back a little bit there and hopefully shed a little bit of this uh water weight before this the summer season comes around i'm gonna have to be walking around tarps off yeah Yeah, no nobody likes the guy who's wearing the tarp on the beach no no you gotta just you gotta let it hang like maybe if you you yourself you could get away with it because you're you got fair skin you got the ginger thing going on so yeah i burn within the sunburn yeah i'll bet you like burn (laughs) in early may i burn in march dude i had a (laughs) i got a wind burn a wind burn at your place a couple oh, weeks ago, God. like just a disaster. I woke, I woke up. I was like, ah, just the beginning of, of sunburns for me in 2021. Yeah. Uh, good luck for the rest of the season. It's starting to heat up in Toronto. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leafs Pod. Follow us on Twitter at Kent Stapon, at McCarthy 95 at HockeyPodNet. And we'll catch you next time.